We are the Adventuring Guild, and this is the Home Brew Review. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Homebrew Review. Last week, we closed the book in our Curse of Strahd segment, finishing in a homebrew adventure called House of Horrors by Patrick E. Pullen. This week, and for the next three weeks, we will be bringing you The Emerald Spire. For those who do not know, this is a mega dungeon from Pathfinder that we have converted to D&D 5e using the Wizards conversion tables. This will be something new and fun that we haven't really tried before, and I hope you all enjoy it. As always, our intro music is written by our very own Virgil Nelson, and the rest of the in-game ambience has been brought to you by TabletopAudio.com. With me this week, we have Luke playing a Torin Dawnforged Shaman, Virgil playing a Half-Orc Atavist, TJ brings you the Mouse Folk Tyromancer, and Micah is featuring his Arcanatron Avenger. We would like to give a little bit of a disclaimer. After we recorded the episode, we realized that the Atavist actually has an updated sheet. A lot of the issues that were talked about in this podcast were corrected in that, so please take everything we say with a grain of salt. It is a very different class from what it started off as. They ended up fixing the hit die problem and the damage reduction problem, so it is a much more balanced and less complicated class now. I encourage all of you to check it out. The updated sheet is in the show notes as well as on our website. There is a link directly to it. Also, if you would like to join us for a game and become a member of the show, visit our Patreon page. This is where we choose who will be playing uh, in the episodes through voting, and if you become a member... You can also submit ideas and possibly be picked to join. So, all right, uh, let's get started with some introductions. When I put in this to be voted for, I didn't put in that I was going to play a Tauren, and I didn't actually explain what, like, Dawnforged was. So, what I'm playing for the podcast it comes from the Dawnforged cast. They're, uh, they're a group uh, kind of like uh, Critical Role, uh, where they just, like review a lot of everything in 5th edition. Um, they've got like an Ask a DM sort of thing with uh, live Q&As. Um, and I saw that they had a shaman uh, out of some of the stuff that they had created. The, the shaman was like a big love letter uh, to World of Warcraft. Uh, the, one of the main guys from Dawnforge cast was playing through a shaman and just realized that there wasn't anything really kind of like this in 5th. Uh, so he took a look at what was already in the setting that kind of fit, uh, and he figured, instead of like a warlock bargaining for power, the shamans call for aid through the elements. And he figured that kind of that half-caster would work well for doing a, a support, kind of like brawler sort of character. And in addition to doing like a Dawnforge shaman, I figured I'd just, what the hell, go all the way. Uh, and a gentleman uh, by the name of Abel Hawk had... Uh, already made like a World of Warcraft a kind of compendium for like the races uh, as well as some like racial weapons. So I figured I'd go for that for the race. Uh, so the Torin from Abelhawk has a War Stomp ability where they kind of cast Earth Tremor uh, but it's only a 5 foot radius and the level scales uh, like equal to half my level uh, minimum 1. They also have a Horn Attack uh, which gives them advantage to shove attacks. You can also make a shove attack as a bonus action after you dash. The Torrent has a, a mighty build, which gives them disadvantages to dex and stealth, but it allows them to carry more as a size larger for push, pull, drag lift, carry capacity, and they can treat uh, the Torrent Totem uh, as a martial weapon. Uh, Abel Hawk designed a very heavy, big totem like the two-hander used by the Torrin. Uh, you can only make one attack with it uh, using uh, action, bonus action, reaction, only once per turn. So even with extra attack, I'm going to be getting creative and using headbutts as well as smashing with the totem. So that's what I'll be playing. Uh, my little my little love letter to World of Warcraft, 
I'm going to be playing my main character, my Torn Shaman, Daru. Uh, I'm Virgil, and I will be playing the Atavist, uh, written by Sword Meow. Um, it has been, uh, it was created by Sword Meow, uh, and in the actual character sheet, uh, it says it was, there was feedback from the Discord of Many Things, as well as the Unearthed Arcana subreddit. Looking through it and reading kind of the credits and the notes for it, I see kind of where they're going. They said it was designed to be very primal, organic, a lot of blood-themed things, but also more spellcast, more, leaning more towards spellcasting than rangers or paladins, but also having a weaker mystic arcanum like the uh, warlocks. Um, it has slight martial drawbacks because it has no heavy armor, uh, a lack of fighting style, and no smites or hunter's marks equivalents. That being said, I think this class is very powerful, but it scales it scales very weird. When you first start this class, you're going to be incredibly weak, and this character could get one shot, no problem, because you only have a D4 when you start for health, so it's very health-wise weak. In the character sheet, they have two different archetypes. One is very focused on almost a barbarian type sense where the more you get hurt, the more powerful you become. The second one gives you transformations like shape-shifting like the druids, but they're aberrations. And you get permanent uh, perks from those aberration transformations uh, as you level up. Shortly before we did this, apparently they came out with three new archetypes for it. Uh, One based on fire for like under... For like the dark areas, the underdark, or not underdark, uh, the darker planes, the lower planes, uh, kind of that abyssal fire type thing. Uh, uh, the second one was all about like the upper realms and very light focused. The third one was kind of interesting, uh, and it was more of like a monk where you did the unarmored stuff. You get key points with this, and that would be very fun to try. Uh, I might have to just experiment with it sometime on my own time. But with the character concept I made with the half orc, I felt the bloodied uh, path was far more roleplay-wise as far as just a gritty as a half-orc fighting your way through the world uh, kind of thing. Also, with the rend ability, the risk of always going down health really quick, I thought that dropping from zero back up to one would always come in handy. Um, We'll see if I use it. I'm not sure if we will, but it's just a very interesting type class. The rend ability will... I'll probably use a lot, is the main focus. Uh, You hurt yourself to do extra damage, or whatever it might be. Probably the biggest ability is the Iron Viscera, and we'll see how that saves my butt. Uh, Basically, you reduce damage by your level, which, starting out, okay, at level 2, okay, you reduce damage by 2, which I think would work in lower-level gameplay. When you get to, like, level 16, level 20, and all that, that's just going to be, you know, every instance of damage is marked down by 20 before you take it. And that's just so powerful. Downside to this class is the stat spread. Uh, you have to, you're going to have to have con as your highest. And then strength and dex. Dex needs to be somewhat high, uh, I would think, because you don't have that heavy armor mm-hmm. to bolden yourself. If you go the path I'm going to take, which is the bloody, you have to have good wisdom because that adds the wisdom stat in there. And then, so that's three stats already. And then if you're going to go with strength ma- strength weapons, like anything martial and whatnot, uh, then you'll have to add strength in there. So that's a potential of three to four stats that you have to build up. And the other thing is the saves. This class gets proficiency in constitution saves and death saves, which I think the death saves is really cool. That's a huge bonus. The issue is only having a, every other ability doesn't get proficiency bonus to your saves, so no dex saves, no strength saves, no wisdom saves. <laughs> you know, all those are going to be very threatening to this character. So, I'm very excited to see how this character will work. So, my name is TJ. Um, I'll be playing Jack Stilton, a, ch- a mouse folk wizard uh, of the school of tyromancy, um, or a cheese romancer, if you will. Um, and all of its tongue-in-cheek humor really is just going to set up perfectly for some great puns, I hope, and uh, it meshes perfectly with the with the mouse folk race 
Um, the race inspired by Red Wall, Mouse Guard, all those great things I, I love and grew up loving. Um, so I'm really excited to look for this. Um, the best feature of the, the class, it's hard to say. Um, it has some good abilities, but the, the final level six, or, uh, 14 ability, I believe, um, being able to turn up to 10 cubic feet of something into cheese of my choice. Um, <laughs> It, it's flavorful, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's. I think it, the whole thing's just going to be great. And um, worst case scenario, it's a wizard, and it still has all of the power that a wizard can can bring to bear. So, um, all that's why I selected this this particular combination. It's got a really good spread. <laughs> well, in all seriousness, like you've got an ability that has some restoration magic. You've yes. got some. You've got an ability that has transmutation, that evocation. So it's uh, some movement shenanigans. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it has some good good stuff across the board. My name is Michael Holmes. I am returning once again to bring you Magnus Orion, the Arcanatron Avenger. Um, the uh, Arcanatron being brought to you by Geekfire Labs from Reddit. The Avenger, courtesy of Brian Huffman from Sterling Vermin. Um, I chose this combination for one primary reason. Uh, I love RPGs, and so I had the opportunity to play in a very memorable Numenera campaign where I played a very similar character style. And I decided to see what happened if I tried to bring that character into Dungeons and Dragons. Um, that character being a strong glaive that fuses flesh and steel from Numenera. The Avenger class has always actually appealed to me. Um, one of my first forays into Dungeons and Dragons was with an ill-fated fourth edition homebrew campaign that I was a part of, in which I played the Avenger, and it really feels like they did almost better with this homebrew than they did in the than uh, Wizards did with their 4th edition version. There are a lot of amazing things that Avengers can do as far as single target damage. Um, some of the additions that they had in 4th edition weren't brought in. I think there was another censure that you could take that, that helped single out characters easier. But other than that, Avengers are known as they are frontline fighters, but they don't benefit from heavy armor. They're one of those classes that gets that, that unarmored bonus of adding their dex plus another stat to their AC instead of armor bonuses. Um, the biggest drawback, I think, in regards to the Avenger actually comes from that same source. The way that it's set up where you want your primary stat to be dexterity because you get an ability that lets you use dexterity for as as your attack modifier instead of strength for heavy weapons is a, it's kind of reined in by the fact that they still use strength and wisdom as your proficient saving throws so you're dumping all of these points into a stat that you aren't really proficient in apart from trying to use it for attack and damage. It's I think it's a way of balancing out because I see some really strong potential for almost overbuilding this character. Uh, the reason I chose the Arcanatron as opposed to my initial choice of a Warforged is twofold, partially for fluff reasons related to the science fiction nature of Numenera, but also the versatility of the Arcanatron is astounding. It doesn't matter what kind of character you want to play, there is a subclass or a subrace of Arcanatron that will fit your needs between my choice of the Fleet Forge, which gives me dexterity bonuses and proficiency in acrobatics, movement speed increases to get where I need to go to do that single target damage. You also get your Mithril Forge that boosts your strength score, boosts your unarmored AC. Your Mana Forge gives you better charisma. There's there is something that is going to help a class that you are wanting to play in the Arcanatron race. So, like I said, versatility is something that always appeals to me in, in D&D. I've never really been much of a min-maxer. I, always, I prefer to play characters for, for their fluff, for their story. Anytime I get to RP, it's always a glory for me, and this class-race combo is perfect for it, especially being able to draw from past experiences with this character that were memorable in their own right, and I'm just hoping that we can make as many memories in this story for Magnus, as he has always been one of my favorites. 
Just go ahead and start. A little bit of background information. Um, basically, you guys were hired to conquer this mega tower, the Emerald Spire. Um, it does not go straight up into the air, as a lot of people speculate, but it is actually an entire underground complex. Um, we're going to go ahead and assume that you have already cleared... Um, basically the first three levels so you guys will be dividing out the loop for that um, before we get started and other than that um, you're going to have opportunities to in between each episode uh, go back to town and restock get adventuring supplies that you need uh, buy and sell whatever you want uh, the only restrictions are in the Pathfinder version of course you could hire people to come along with you that won't be the case this time um, and the questing. You guys won't be going in turning in quests for NPCs or anything like that. Um, we're also going to assume that you have already found three Spire Tokens to get you teleporting back and forth in and out of this place. Uh, and the Spire Tokens can take one person plus one, so even though you only have three, all four of you can teleport in and out. So we will go ahead and start. Um, you guys would have had an opportunity to kind of... Uh, gather information on the fourth floor of the uh, Emerald Spire. So if anybody would like to roll me a knowledge check, just pick one of the knowledge scores, uh, tell me what kind of you're searching for, and I will give you some general information if you make the, depending on what you roll. So I need at least a 10 to recall anything of use. Uh, anything above that will get you extra information on kind of what is on this level and stories that you've heard. Well, I guess I'll try for nature. Okay, what would you be trying to find out? What sort of things live down there? Okay. Ooh, all right, that is a 17. 17. Uh, you would know that it is mostly troglodytes, mm. so it is an inhabited floor, and it is more of a peaceful floor than some of the others. So they actually live there, not just slaughter randomly there. Oh. And any order is fine if you guys don't know what you want to know, what you want to ask. I don't know. What language do troglodytes speak? Oh, that is a very good question. Um, draconic. Ah. Common and draconic. Well, it's okay, guys. I know common. <laughs> I know you, celestial. You can translate for us. <laughs> uh, I have a language I don't even know what it is. Tell them we come in peace. All right, then. Just some general information that you guys would all kind of know. They all worship a being that they call Trog, and basically the Trogolodites take visitors of this floor to that being, quote-unquote, and to leave offerings, offerings of metal, offerings of iron. Other than that, you don't know a whole lot about it because they're kind of messed up and not exactly the most sociable of creatures, even though they do permit people to give offerings and worship and whatnot there. Troglodytes, as you all are, are well aware of, reek, and the creatures around them all have to fight that gag reflex the entire time they're there. Regretting my decision to make it so I have to breathe. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> so we will go ahead and start at the entrance of the level. First thing I'm going to need from all of you is uh, anybody that breathes uh, is a DC 13 con save. Hey, I can do that. Yep. I got a 15, so I'm good. Okay, anybody roll? Okay. An acrid, nauseating reek fills the air at the bottom of the stairs. A musky reptilian stench. The stairs descend to a small chamber of smooth-hewn stone lit by dim greenish light from two strange torch-like devices on the walls. A metal door with a simple latch mechanism glows a dim green light in the middle of the north wall. The walls and ceiling are decorated with drawings and writings in bright colors. The depictions are abstract, but somehow alien and disturbing. Mm. So you see uh, right at the bottom of the stairs is a troglodyte. And he's wearing a colorful leather garment and carrying a walking stick. Uh, I will definitely wait for my larger comrades to... <laughs> but at the same time, uh, out of the larger comrades, who has the highest crit? Because I have a minus one. Are you kidding me? Magnus, <laughs> what do you have? <laughs> I get a plus one. What? <laughs> You're all very charismatic people. <sighs> Magnus, <laughs> I believe you are the voice of the party. As scary as that may be. Great, and I'm a metal man. Oh, crap. Kink, kink. Thankfully, I keep most of my metal bits fairly well covered for personal. That'd be obscene otherwise. I'm going to double check my explorers. Pull up my my sleeves just to show you my my, my metal arm as I'm like, okay, let's have this. (laughs) All right. So, as you guys continue walking down the stairs, I'm assuming Magnus is going to be in the lead then. Yep. 
All right. Um, the troglodyte uh, says in common, We welcome you to God's home. You wish to make sacrifice now or visit? Take holy grub, maybe? Oh, me slach. Slach. Yes. Uh, perhaps visit first. Oh, visit. Then to go to sacrifice? To the god box? Uh, I think we can manage to f- scratch something up to sacrifice to their god box. Okay. <laughs> he isn't really walking away. He's just kind of waiting for you guys to kind of start walking, and then he will start leading. Um. So for right now, he's just kind of the doorman at the church shaking your hand. I mean, if anybody has, like, a Dungeoneer's kit, I mean, they've got ten pythons they can always offer. Otherwise, I got an Explorer's, which surprisingly has nothing metal in it. Uh, and you guys did re- just recover a whole crap ton of loot, weapons, and all yeah, that kind got, of stuff. We can just ah. dump a couple of the short swords in there if we need to. Yeah! Never mind. We are solid. We've got a perfectly good offering. Okay. Um, I guess I'll... I'll Wait, in. go to the god box now? Sure, and then whatever. You said a shrub? A grub? Oh, yes. Holy grub. That's food, right? Yes, eat. I'll eat their food. Oh, eat. The holy grub after after sacrifice, right? Sure. sure. Okay. Well, follow me. And uh, he begins walking through the chamber. You guys immediately take a right going down kind of a short hallway. There is an open door to the right and a closed door to the left. Through the open door on the right-hand side, you guys are able to see kind of a common area. There are a lot of troglodytes in there, and the smell is very, very heavy. Anybody that kind of peeks their head in there will need to give me another con save. Uh, if you guys are just kind of walking by it, you won't need to. <laughs> 13 is the DC. Okay, just made it. Nope. All right. <laughs> you are going to suffer nausea. So basically what that's going to do is that is going to give you a disadvantage on ability checks uh, when you try to make them and disadvantage on concentration checks. Oh, I need to to not stick my head where it doesn't belong. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So then uh, as you guys uh, look through that open door, he opens up a large metal door uh, leading into this room. As soon as it's open, you see a hexagonal metallic structure about 10 feet wide and almost 25 feet tall looms in the center of this high ceiling room. It is emanating a greenish-white light. All kinds of gears and armaments are stuck to its silvery sides, including dozens of weapons, shields, and pieces of armor, as well as lantern buckles and tools. To the north and south of the object stand two large stone statues, each depicting a troglodyte with its arm upraised in adoration. Four copper-colored metal doors lead out of this chamber, one from each corner of the room. Uh, and with your guys' passive checks, definitely Magnus uh, because of body reasons, and Darud and Jack, you guys all notice that you're kind of being tugged on a little bit wherever your weapons are or anything metal on you is kind of being tugged in that direction. Mm. Magnus, you feel like your entire body is wanting to be pulled towards the center of that object. Also, I got a quick question. How long am I nauseated? For one hour or until you pass another fortitude save, which is repeated um, once every hour. Okay. Um, Guys, uh, just like planted and leaning back against the force. It wouldn't be too strong right now. It would be more like, kind of like there's a breeze blowing behind you. Okay. So just a little bit of a pull, and you guys feel like, kind of like you got... Um, Chain mail's getting kind of tugged. Yeah, exactly. Just just slightly raised. You know, same thing with the daggers and whatnot, instead of the swords. Instead of resting comfortably at your sides, they're kind of pulling a little bit at their sheaths. Oh. Is there a spirit in the room? Uh, you guys can go ahead and do uh, whatever checks you want to uh, try to justify. I Just let me know what you're doing. Um, I'll try to, uh, I guess I'll start with the whole of trying to appease the spirits. Okay, and you guys are currently about 15 feet away, literally right inside the doorway. As you guys step forward, let me know who and how far. So what would you like to do for uh, spirits? Are you, like, religious or arcana, or what are you yeah, trying to do? kind of religious. Um, pull out a couple of the swords and just kind of hold them out in front of me. Just Okay, go ahead and make an arcana check. Sure. Okay. 14. All right, you don't 
think that this is magical necessarily because it seems to be universal in direction all towards the exact same thing uh, and you notice like no matter how you wave your swords and what direction they all kind of tilt in towards exactly the center of that so there's a pull but there's no there's no elemental or anything in the box it's just mm. You're not 100% sure. You could probably tell by getting a lot closer, but like even just leaning forward a couple of feet, you feel the pull significantly increase. And if you point one of your swords straight out towards the, the box, it it starts to pull from your hand a little bit on the hill. You know, I'll just let go of the, the junk swords. Okay, it, it you let go uh, of the swords, and they go a little bit forward and hit the ground and slowly start dragging across the floor. Uh, slog is uh, very kind of confused by what you're doing. He would say, uh, take up, take up to God box. Don't, don't just throw on thrower. Offer! I will cautiously approach the God box. Alright, you take another five foot step forward and you notice that your feet want to start dragging across the floor. Like you're uh, actively having uh, to kind of lean back a little bit. Maybe uh, you guys? shouldn't. <laughs> guys? I will grab grab his shoulder. Your middle friend there is is blessed. Is is chosen. Uh, uh, (laughs) This must be your favorite level. (laughs) Oh, this is so much fun. Um, um, should be so kind as to make my offering for me. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? Go ahead and hold my chain mail. You just stay outside of the room. Okay. Yeah. You take a step back and uh, slog kind of looks confused as to what you're doing. He's he's not quite sure why you wouldn't want to make an offering because clearly you are so chosen uh, by the box. But uh, he lets you, you know, exit the room and kind of stand in the doorway if you want uh, without really getting in your way. Okay, so now I'm all wood at this point. Like, I've got nothing that's metal after the chain. Look at me like that. <laughs> I'll bring forth the metal stuff to the box, and I'll actually take a good inspection of this thing. Okay, That's, yeah. Um, I'll go up with what? a couple cooking pots and things. His fondue set. Favorite metal fondue set. Oh, no, no, no. no, no, no <laughs> Not getting no, crazy. It's a, it's a bowl. It's a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so as you walk up, uh, how much and of what are you carrying? Um, How many short swords do we have? Uh yeah, you guys found. Yeah, you guys found quite a few. Five short swords, uh, four long swords, two daggers, one of the masterwork, a shield, and the short bows. But the short bows would probably be wood. I guess five short swords is what I'd bring up. All right. So with five short swords, when you get within ten feet, the they're kind of starting to fall out of your arms a little bit. And when you get within five feet of the metal box, I mean, you would actively have to lean back and, like, grip those damn things as hard as you could to keep a hold of them. Uh, you know, at five feet, I'll just let go as fast as I can and try not to cut myself. All right. So you step forward as close as you can. And do you get your arms? Are you going to do one of these? Or yep. how are you going to present? Yep. You throw your arms open, and they clang against that box, uh, against the metal box in the middle with a very loud and resounding ring. And all of the troglodytes in the area are, oh, praise the god box, praise the god box, such an offering. And you see the four metal doors, um, uh, three metal doors, the one that you came in is still open, but um, three metal doors around the room all start creaking open. And you hear off in the distance, metal doors begin to open as well. Oh, an offering, you, you have been let to pass. Yay, we're chosen. Ah. Which way do we go? I say to the grub. Because food sounds good. Oh, yes, grub now. Not, 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 not too sure how I'm feeling about a spire full of machinery. I'm going to make some PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take my chain shirt back. <laughs> okay, so would you guys like to look around a little bit? Are you going to go straight to grub? What are you guys going to do? We'll go get grub. Well, let's start with the grub. Yeah. And we can move on from there. And then maybe peek around in some of the less smelly rooms. Oh, Luke, go ahead and uh, give me a perception check while you are up that close. Nat 20. Ooh, okay. Common sense says don't take from the offering bowl, so I probably should take what looks good. You would see nearly what you believe to be about 150 different items uh, stuck to this god box, including battle axes, daggers, including one that seems to have kind of a light blue sheen to it, and it is exquisitely sharp. 
You also find uh, great swords, along with one that also has kind of a really sharp sheen around it. Uh, heavy maces, light maces, light hammers, short swords, star knives, throwing axes, war hammers, chain mail, including one that looks almost identical to the suit that you have. Ooh. Half plate armor, splint mail, heavy steel shields, including one that has a slight glow to it, and a light steel shield also has a glow. Crowbar grappling hooks, holy symbols, mirrors, pittons, thieves tools, including one thieves tools that seems to be actually a leather bag that is stuck to the side, like there's probably something in it. Belt buckles, several of them with part of the belt still attached. Looks like it was ripped off. And various amounts of coins and whatnot all stuck to this box. Okay, since there's no spirit in the box, I'm not going to insult any actual entity other than the troglodytes, and they've been good hosts. I... mm, Can I make a general, like... I guess appraisal on the, I believe it was the great axe, the one that appeared to be magic. There were several you think might be magic. There was a dagger, a great sword, heavy steel shield, chainmail, light steel shield, and possibly something in that thieves bag. Mm. I guess I'm up there with you. Do I take a little bit of time? Sure, I'll just position myself uh, uh, in ritual casts. Detect magic. Okay. Well, other than this entire place glowing slightly, um, you do see that the dagger is glowing with a blue light, a very vibrant blue light. The great so one of the great swords uh, glows, and two of the shields and the chainmail, as well as a glow coming from inside that thieves' pouch. So there is some magical stuff there, but do we really want to... I mean, I feel like that's stealing. I think that... Within the room, there is just Slog, who appears to be mostly keeping an eye on our metal friend here, um, because clearly he is destined to be here in Godholm. I'll try the great sword since it seems magic, and I've got some friends that might need one. Alright, go ahead and roll. Strength. Uh, you can add athletics if you have it. Hey, I have lots of that. Hey, average. Um, seventeen. Seventeen total. Yes. All right. And which one are you trying to grab? The great sword. Great sword. You pretty sure you might have dislocated your shoulder trying it. Yeah. It is stuck. Stuck. You with a seventeen. You you think you might have lifted it off the box just for a split second, but ah. that was about it. I. T- I don't think I'm going to be able to, um... No. (laughs) Let's not steal anything. (laughs) That's not going to work. Okay. Guys, want to go ahead and exit the room? Yeah. Yeah. He would point you to several different chambers. One of them, the closest to the east door, he would say Grub is within there. When you open up the doors, you see that this room contains a large stone vat uh, in the middle of of the eastern wall. It seems to be filled with a pasty pink substance. Just north of the tub, a tall door made of lustrous copper metal leads east. The passage passages exit the chamber to the north and south. Three torch-like devices in the wall glow with a soft green light, as does the metal door. Hmm. And you guys have seen enough of these torches now. It all grow, glows with the exact same color light as the god box does, just dimmer. Hmm. I'll inspect the pink pasty stuff. Okay, go ahead and roll me a survival check. Ooh, I have that too. Hey, 18. Alright, you're pretty sure that this is um, some freshly ground meat. You're not exactly sure what kind, but you do see that uh, many of the troglodytes have handfuls of this stuff. Uh, and they seem to be fine, other than smelly, I'll as troglodytes are. Sample the drop. Okay, uh, you go ahead and you eat. Is anybody else going to eat as well? I will take a nibble. And by a nibble, I mean I'm going to mash them into my gob. Okay. I think I'm going to pass. All right. Well, you got your cheese, you know. Virgo? <laughs> I'll do it. Why not? All right. Do you actually eat Micah, or is it just a, a superfluous thing? <clears throat> I do not need to. Uh, I do need to breathe. I do not need to eat or drink, but I can ingest food or drink if I wish. I still benefit from the effects of consumable spells and magic items, such as heroes, feasts, and potions. Okay. Seriously. I'm going to need a... Constitution save from everybody again. Oh, God. Everybody or those who... Those who ate. Thank you. (laughs) Fourteen. Fourteen. Not fourteen. Okay. Twelve. All right. Uh, The two of you that got less than a thirteen, you are sickened for one hour. 
So, uh, so you're double sick. Is no. it poison or disease or anything like that? It's just gross. Uh, the okay. meat is nauseating to other races' standards. Those who eat it must succeed in a DC 13 fortitude save, ah. constitution save, or be sickened for one hour. Hardy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so you guys are not feeling good for the most part, uh, except for Cheese Romancer and the uh, Shaman here. Do you guys want to try and lay down somewhere, or do you guys want to look around here? I need to take a break, guys. I really need to take a break. Is there, um, I guess I will ask our very kind uh, host, mm-hmm. Slog, mm-hmm. Uh, if they have a guest room or anything like that uh, for our friend to rest. Oh, yes, uh, plenty of places to lay down. Uh, we do have Lutrine, too. Uh, don't throw up on our floors. <laughs> and he would... He, yeah, the, the uh, troglodytes are afraid of cleanliness, uh, or afraid of you messing it up. Uh, so They're they would take you... Yeah. Uh, they would take you... Let's see here. First to where the latrines are. And this rectangular room features four holes in the floor, each one each one, one foot across, evenly spaced along the northern wall. And the air is thick with the stink of troglodytes. Two short passages lead to the dimly lit corner. So they would show you where that one where that room is. Uh, and then they would take you to one of the common areas. The smell of the troglodytes is especially strong in this cluttered chamber. Various articles, scraps of cloth, strips of leather, and other debris are neatly sorted and stacked along the chamber's walls, which are decorated with crude paintings and in bright green hues. So you see some litter set up and some sleeping mats and that kind of stuff along the floors. So if you guys would like to uh, lay down, you're welcome to. You guys, The rest of you are welcome to wander around if you like, or if you guys want to try and... Whatever you want. I want to find the first even remotely soft looking thing and just whomp. Yep. You just shut down. Uh, Virgil, are you going to lay down or do you want to try and tough it out and look around? I'll tough it out. All right. Well, Micah is restarting. Would you guys like to just wander around the area or what would you guys like to do? Let's wander around see if we can find a way to the next level. Uh, you guys would see, they would take you to um, the northeast corner, kind of of the floor. And within that room, a tall troglodyte statue stands in the center of this otherwise featureless square room, its arms outstretched. Light sticks are mounted on the east and west walls, providing dim green illumination. The door would be open. So in the northeast corner, a section of the stone floor is cut away perfectly, revealing a staircase that descends into darkness. So that would have been that that loud noise that you guys heard, um, kind of that scraping sound after you threw the, the metal onto the god box. So just a stone slab going straight into the crown. Uh, Other than that, if you guys look around, there are several areas, basically just different living quarters of the troglodytes. Uh, You do see most of them are fairly common troglodytes. Uh, Nothing too crazy about them. You do see one female troglodyte, though, that does appear to be wearing robes of some sort of cleric or priestess kind of outfit. And she seems a little bit smarter, a little bit better outfitted than some of the others. You do notice a uh, kind of a light green glow coming from her boots. But she has a room in the Northern Warrens in one of the rooms in the corner is where kind of you would pass her while you were wandering by. Hmm. Other than that, everybody other than the slog is um, pretty much just a standard troglodyte. Hmm. What would you guys like to do? Are you going to snoop around in any rooms? Do you just want to wait your hour out until your good friend is... Awake again? Keeping one paw over my nose, I kind of wander around and I'll follow. Make friends and okay. Uh, where would you guys like to inspect? I'll give you three areas that you can uh, inspect if you guys want to do it as a group. Otherwise, you can hit all the areas in here, uh, just giving general checks uh, for charisma uh, or perception or kind of whatever you want to do. So, split the party or go as a group. Eh, I mean, they're not hostile, so splitting the party doesn't sound like it'll get us killed. Um. <clears throat> he said annoying. Yes. <laughs> Famous last words. Pretty much. Now yeah, let's just go together. All what right, you think? guys all go together. Um, we'll divide it up into three blocks. We'll do the northwest corner, um, the southwest corner, and the southeast corner. All right. So the northeast corner is where you ran into that one female uh, cleric, uh, priestess. Go ahead and everybody give me um, perception checks if you guys are snooping around. Otherwise, if you're just kind of nonchalantly looking and talking, uh, don't worry too much about it, as far as perception checks. Thirteen. Thirteen? Six. Six? 
Alright, um, you guys notice that there are several troglodytes that seem to be very secretive about stuff, and like whenever you guys kind of walk by the rooms, they throw a mat or a blanket over whatever they have in there. So you're pretty sure that they're hiding stuff from you, but you're not exactly sure who and what, and without going in there and throwing open blankets, you don't know what you're really going to find. Anybody want to try and stealthily do that, or you don't want to risk offending? <laughs> uh, I know I can't get away with it if I tried. Okay. Nope. Alright, so in the southeast corner then, that is where you guys uh, came down from the stairs. There are also several other rooms down in this area. Um, These narrow corridors and alcoves are barely illuminated. Only a faint green glow emanates from light sticks mounted on the walls. Each alcove is filled with untidy debris, troglodyte nests of shredded cloth, storage containers improvised from discarded adventuring gear, crude weapons, and the smell is terrible. Do we reach a point where there's no trogs actually around us, or Unfortunately, are we no. always they going s- to be... They pretty much seem to be kind of following you guys around a little bit. Not so much out of suspicion, but curiosity more than anything else. Hmm. By this time, Micah, I'm going to go ahead and say that you can come back online, and uh, everybody needs to give me another fortitude state, because it's been dun, more than dun, an hour. Dun, dun. Oh! Woo. I think that group's starting to act up. Um, six. Do I still have disadvantage? No. You're okay, then I'm fine. Okay. 14. Everybody, yep. All right. Uh, Luke, you rolled less than 13? Yep. You are sickened for one hour. <coughs> All right. Feels good, man. Do you guys want to continue to explore, or do you want to get out of this level before you guys get any sicker? I'm good for getting out of the level. Yes, guys. We, we've paid our respects to, uh, to fog. All right. Man. You guys um, descend about... A hundred feet, you think, over about a half a mile before you guys reach the next level. First thing that you notice as you descend is the ramp winding down from the level above ends in a flight of stairs leading to a dank, low-ceilinged room. The curved surface of the emerald spire takes up the northern corner. To the east is a broad stairway leading down to a dark passage from which a soft sound of lapping water emanates. A small closed door stands in the south wall. Several toad-sized crabs skitter about. Hmm. All right, continue on down the room, or what would you guys... So, do we want to have a specific pecking order? How well lit is this place? Uh, It's dimly lit pretty much everywhere, so PCs must rely on dark vision or their own light sources to navigate. I'll take the lead. I have dark vision. Okay. I don't. So, for for marching order, then, we have Magnus in front. Do you have light? I have light. The, the, um, yes, let them lead up and then we'll be in the back with a light. Yeah. Most of the hallways are 10 feet wide. It's just the doorways that narrow to five, but you guys can squeeze through, of course. Good. So, Magnus in front, I'm assuming? Yep. All right. And then are you going to go single file or two abreast, or how are you going to do the second row? Let's just do two by two, uh, 15 feet in between, or 10 feet, whatever. 10 feet? 10 feet. Oh, okay. 10 feet. Good. And then who's second after Magnus? I'll be next to him. All right, and who's going to be next to Virgil? Then me. All right, and then uh, bring up the rear with a light source. Okay, sounds good. Watching your backs. All right, so uh, of course you guys have the light sources in the second row back. So as you guys go down the stairs, you see a blue-skinned, blue-haired humanoid clad in silvery mail. And he's guarded by what appears to be a hideous four-legged orange crab monster with small blue, with a small blue winged creature sitting on its back. So three total things in the room? Three total things uh, in the room. And they seem to have spotted you, but it doesn't appear as if they have attacked yet. But if you guys would like to make a... Um, Nature or animal handling check, um, I will go ahead and let you. Ooh, nature of three. I have no idea. Okay. Animal handling of seven. Okay. Animal handling of 16. All right. You would know that the crab monster and the blue-winged creature on its back are very hostile, and the gentleman that is standing there is an undine, also probably very hostile. You would know that the other than the crab, the little winged creature is a summoned creature. It is not native to this area. Hmm. Oh, excuse me. The um, the blue creature is native to here. The crab is summoned. Ah. Um, um, I say roll initiative and kick their ass. 
they haven't done anything to us yet. Walk down and see what happens. Sure. Just be ready. Just be ready. Okay, so everybody's not got weapons out, but not necessarily at the ready. I'm just going to use my glaive as a walking staff for for the time being. Okay. I'll also use my gigantic totem as a walking stick. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, you guys get down uh, to the base of the stairs, and once it has been established that you guys aren't backing away, you aren't going to leave, they would turn to you and attack. So everybody go ahead and roll me initiative. Pretty much. Uh, just so you guys know, this chamber like that you are in, uh, as you get down to the base of the stairs, is uh, 20 by 20 with a small staircase descending uh, at the north end down again. And they would be fairly close to the staircase. So go ahead and uh, what's everybody's initiative? I got a 13. I got a 4. I also got a four. Who's uh, Dex is higher, Magnus or Cardrack? I got a plus three. I got a plus one. All right, so Magnus will go first, and Jack. I will take Jack got a twelve. Oh, because you guys did have a uh, very bright light source, they were able to kind of get the jump a little bit. They were prepared and ready to go. So the first thing they would do is uh, we're going to say that they're about ten feet away from you guys. So the crab and the blue-skinned small creature are going to charge first. The crab creature makes two claw attacks against you, Magnus. That is a 20, not nat, and a 13. Uh, they both hit. Okay. Ten points total of piercing damage. Oh. oh, wait, no. The 13 does not hit. Sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Then that would have been only 8 points All right. of damage. All right. Anybody that wants to identify the um, the blue skin creature can give me an arcana check. 23. All right. You would know that it is a method, a water method, to be uh, precise. So it is going to go ahead and uh, actually, it is while it is in front of Virgil, it is going to go ahead and breathe a cone of acid. So I'm going to need a constitution save from all four of you. Ooh. Sad day. On constitution saves, I can rend. So I'm going to rend. Oh, shit. Uh, 14. Uh, 14 would be enough to save. So higher than a 14 or 14 or higher and you make it. Oh, five. I failed. Gonna... All right. The two of you will take um, four points of acid damage. The other two will only take two. Four points. Okay. All right. And then the summoner is going to turn towards you. At least you believe that it is their summoner. Uh, and he is going to cast uh, mage armor on himself. So you see around him shink a sheen of magical energy uh, surrounds him. Uh, and he pulls out at the same time what appears to be a glowing dagger. Hmm. Alright, we are then on to Darud. And it's a ten foot wide corridor, so I can't really get past our melee. Friends. You're actually in a chamber, uh, oh. 20 by 20, and there is a ten foot staircase leading down at the other end of the hall. Okay, so I have room to charge in to get into melee? Correct. I will. I will let out a, a raging war moo. Alright. And then I'll dash in and headbutt the, uh, was the caster up front? Uh, no, the caster would have been in the back, about 15 feet away from where you guys are. The crab and the water method charged in. Oh, then I will headbutt the water method and attempt to smash my face into it. All right. Um, with that, uh, I guess I dash in and then I'm going to make a, a shove. I believe that's how it works. All right. Let me grab my handy-dandy page where it actually says the shove rules. <laughs> I believe the method has to make a... He has to contest against my strength athletics. He can roll either a strength athletics or a dex acrobatics to avoid being knocked prone. That was an at 20. Awesome. So he avoided being knocked prone. But he will still take damage if you... Uh, did you do a shove or a charge? Uh, it would have been a shove. Okay. Never mind that. Yeah... Unfortunately, I don't get to do both. Nope, that's okay. I just, uh, depending on, sometimes, like, if you have horns, it will right. yep, do both. So, all right, uh, we will go ahead then and move on to Jack. Okay, I will engage the, the summoner in the back, uh, lobbing a spark of flame at him. Okay. Little 
spicy cheddar action. Yes. So that would be a 1921 to hit. To the summoner in the back? To the summoner in the back. Okay, yes, that will definitely hit. And due to my archetype, I get to add my intelligence, so a that will be 13 points of damage. Not too bad. He definitely... Nine fire and four slashing. All right. Just sharp cheddar. <laughs> gotcha. I like that. <laughs> you were worried about being underpowered. Uh, we will go ahead and then move on to Magnus. Um, I think... I've got, I've got crab thingy on me, right? Correct. Crab man is on you. That is a 22, uh, 21, yep. 2, 3 to hit. That will hit the crab. For 6 points of damage slashing. Alright. Uh, is your weapon magical? Negative. Okay, he uh, it hits him, but it doesn't have quite the the normal force that you remember it having. Um, you're pretty sure that it has something to do with the fact that this is a giant set of armor, essentially. Hmm. Okay, on then to Cardrock. Alrighty. So, first off, question for you, DM. Yes, sir. Uh, with my ability Iron Viscera, any damage I take is reduced by my Avidus level. Mm-hmm. I'm a level 4. That spell did 2 damage. Do I take no damage or do the minimum of 1? Because a lot of 5e stuff says minimum of 1, but I would this say, does not say so. I would say minimum of 1... And is that all damage, or is that just physical Any damage? Any instance of damage. Okay, yep. Then I will go ahead and That's say... That's why I, was, I wasn't sure, because I reduced it, so I took a minimum of one. Yeah. But I'm a level four. I wasn't sure if you're how you want to do it, minimum of one, because... I'm going to go ahead and say, simply for the fact that that is a super powerful ability, we'll go minimum of one. Uh, then I'm going to use... Oh, sorry. Asking a question of the DM is an action. No. Go ahead. <laughs> That has a bonus action. No. Uh, okay, I'm going to use the Iron Viscera ability whenever I take whenever damage is rolled against me. My next immediate rend costs no hit points uh, within one minute, and the die is maxed. Okay. So I'm going to do that and make an attack roll against the blue mephite thing. Okay. That is twenty-four to hit. <laughs> yeah, I guess that hits. Die is maxed. Four. 11 points of damage. Okay, yes. It takes the 11 points. Uh, it is... Oh, wait. I also... For- Sorry, I forgot with... Because uh, I'm wounded, because I mm-hmm. took damage. I add my wisdom to that damage, so oh. that's a plus one, so 12. Okay, yeah. Uh, that... Uh, the Mephit, Mephite, whatever you want to call it, uh, does not enjoy that, but is still standing, though not by a whole lot. Okay, we are then uh, back to all of the enemies. So we will go ahead and start with the Summer because he's been um, jumping up and down waiting for the uh, opportunity. So he is going to go ahead and cast Haste on himself and his summoned uh, Crab. So Crab is going to make four attacks now against uh, Magnus. Poor Magnus. Preparing the heal. Alright, first one is a 23, second one is a 21. Third, oh, Jesus. Uh, third one is a 9, and the fourth one is a 13. First two hit, second two don't. Alright. You are going to go ahead then, and, oh, jeez, I rolled two ones for damage. Oh. So that is eight points total, is what you will take. How are you doing on hit points total? Uh, I've got ten left. I will. No, it's doing my turn then. Alright, we're going to go ahead then with the Mephit next. Uh, it is going to go ahead and attack Virgil. Okay. I'm assuming that won't hit with a 12. No. Alright, so you're safe there. And we are then on to Darud. Alright, well, uh, with the pecking order, I'm not within touching range of uh, Magnus, am I? You could lean in uh, if you wanted to, because Magnus is still frontline. Okay. So you guys were pretty much approached by them, so I don't think anybody's really stepped out okay. into the fray. Um, I will then, I guess I'll reach out to Magnus, and I will cure wounds. That'd be 2d8 plus my wisdom. <laughs> Let's hope I roll well. You believe in you. I didn't... 
I didn't take the healing domain because I or the healing domain. I didn't take the uh, the restoration uh, specialization. Hey, nine, 10, 11. eleven hit points to you. Nice. And I will happily take that. I guess for my movement, I'm just going to go ahead and get on the other side of the enemies. I want to flank. Okay. And that'll be the end of my turn. All right. We will then move on to Jack. Um, I believe, seeing the haste, recognizing the dangers of haste, um, the summer's 10 feet back from the... Yeah, about 10 feet back, 15 feet away from Magnus in the front line. Okay. Uh, I'm going to cast Grease. Centered on the summoner, uh, hopefully to reach up to that front line. Yep, yep. I believe it's thirty it'll, foot diameter. Oh, you can grease it'll, me. It'll cover fine. you, but nice cheesy slick. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. It definitely smells a lot better than those chocolateites did. Or does it? Or does it? Depending on the cheese, it's, it might not. It's either bad meat or good cheese. Yes, exactly. <sighs> All right. So uh, grease centered on them. I don't believe anything happens until they make a um, move. When the grease appears, each creature standing in its area must succeed on a dex save or fall prone. Okay. All right. Is that all of us? Uh, no. Just me. Just he, since he moved around them. Okay. Well, what is the DC? Uh, DC would be, let's see, is it 14? 14. Two will pass. Uh, I'm going to say the summoner in the back is going to fall. Do I have any advantage since I can see him casting the spell? Unfortunately not. I have fallen. Okay. So uh, the crab uh, would have advantage because it's a quadruped. Uh, the water method uh, is okay, and the summoner falls on his rear end, and he is prone. Well, at least you got somebody who's an enemy. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, we are then on to Mac. We're just going to take a swing. Try to hit a little bit harder this time. All right, swing bada bada. Wait, if he's prone, I have advantage, right? Or did the crab fall? Nope, crab is on its legs. That is a crit. All right. So how are we doing crits again? Crits are, we're doing it the official style, so it's roll two. Add modifiers once. That is 12 damage to L crab thing. Alright, and once again, since it is not a magic weapon, it impacts, but you it doesn't have the same punch that uh, it usually does. Okay, uh, we are then on to Cardrac. Okay, I'm going to attack the meth. Uh, 20 to hit. Okay, yes, that will definitely hit. I'm gonna rend. 12 points of damage. Alright. Your wisdom again or anything like that? Hmm? Oh, yep. It doesn't uh, matter, the meth hit... Okay. <gasps> into smoke and disappears. Well, technically this is water, so I'm going to say mist and disappears from sight. You see the summoner seems to have taken a little bit of backlash from that and definitely notices when it has been unsummoned. Okay. I want to move up uh, and pick... Can I use, like, most of my movement to pick him up? Or Uh, you, like, use the help action or something like that? uh, Have you already done a bonus action? Was that your rend? No. Rend is just a reaction, I think. It just happens. I can do it for damage. Gotcha. Uh, normally no, but I'll go said and say that's fine. Otherwise, you, if not, um, I'll just charge up to the... Uh, you will need a dex when you enter the grease. Okay. Yep. And it's difficult terrain for the duration. Um, five, oh, that's six, so I wouldn't make it if I rendered. So. Into the cheese. So yep. I'll slip so you into the cheese. Yep, you slip and fall on your rear while trying to help, but it's the thought that counts. All right, back to the enemies. The summoner is going to use his um, action to stand up, or his movement to stand up, and he is then going to uh, cast Summon Monster, and he is going to summon what appears to be a bunch of brightly colored small frogs all over the place. Uh, We are then, uh, they, oh, uh, and he is under the effects of haste, so he is then going to... Uh, just guard. He's not going to do anything. He's just going to be ready to dodge. Uh, he doesn't want to get close enough to do anything. Then ending his turn in the grease, he'll get yep. another deck save to... Okay. Uh, that He is going to fail again and falls on his rear again. <laughs> yes. I so. can't be that mad. <laughs> yeah, it, it is pretty funny. Uh, we will go ahead then and go on to the crab next. Crab is still under the effects of haste, so it gets four attacks. Oh wow! Um, three of them will hit with the one—the one that didn't hit—and uh, then the next lowest was a sixteen. Sixteen will hit. Okay. 
18 points of uh, piercing damage. Okay. And the frogs, since they were just summoned, um, are just going to kind of appear and look very uh, colorful. And that will be it. Darud. I will stand up. Um, how far away are the frogs? Uh, they would have uh, appeared all around uh, the summoner, so they're about ten feet away, roughly. Ah, crap. I don't want to move. But if I end my turn move, anyways... It's, moving is just it's difficult terrain, but at the, if you end in the, the slick, you'll have a chance of falling. Okay. I will move up to the summoner. Alright. I will smash my totem into him. Alright, and he is prone, so you would have advantage. Wonderful. And then I will also, with this attack, I will cast one of my cantrips. I believe it is Lightning Lure is the one I'm wanting. Okay. Yeah, that way if he moves, if he stands up, he will get shocked. Okay. Will a 15 hit him with his mage armor? No, it will not. Crud. I am going to go ahead and use my uh, Channel Divinity. Okay. And let him have a, another go with that. Mm. All right, go ahead. Divine Guidance as a reaction when a friendly character within 30 feet of you misses with an attack. Oh, I roll uh, with an attack roll. I use it and allow them to re-roll the attack and use the new result. Ooh, excellent. Uh, will a 16 do it? 16 will hit. Not that that totally gives away the AC. All right. Well, in which case, it's 2d8 plus 5 for my strength. That'll be 14 points of damage, and then the lightning lure, I believe, does a D8 lightning if he moves. Okay. He is stuck where he is at, then, on his rear end. What? You are also surrounded by brightly colored frogs now. On to Jack, the pumpkin king. <sighs> um, I'm going to move up beside this this crab thing, the edge of my grease. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, that's right. Uh, Virgil, or Luke, you moved past yeah. him. You get an attack of opportunity. All right. That will definitely hit. You take four points of piercing damage. Okay. Sorry uh, about that. Make sure you, pref- you don't fall. Yep, and turn. balls. And I am on the ground, too. All right, that was how the smash was so strong, was when you slipped, you just full oh. weight down on that totem. Thank you for the for the divinity. Um, I... I would like to aim a a burning hands. Ideally, hit as many frogs and nonsense as I can without without hitting my friend who no, I all right. feel bad for making fall. I'm going to go ahead and times. say that there were five tiny frogs that were summoned, so you can hit three of them and uh, hit the summoner as well without catching your buddy. Okay, um, so they will need a deck save. Uh, 14. Okay. Three will pass. And it's 11 points of damage. Uh, those who pass take half. Uh, luckily, these frogs only have uh, six health points, uh, so they still survive because uh, they passed, but the summoner is dead, so everything disappears around you into mist, except for the summoner, who is a body. And the grease cheese. This cheese is still there. I've fallen like three times already. Until the cheese romancer dispels it, it's still there. So all of you are, it's a really slapstick comedy Three Stooges event going on, watching you guys trying to stand up in this cheese. Okay, we will go ahead and end this week's podcast here. We were able to get a little bit of combat in, as well as some pretty good role play. Uh, It was a little bit slow to start, but unfortunately that level just is. So we will go ahead and break here until next week. So uh, next time we meet, we will all be level 8. We will do a quick recap before we start and go from there. So thank you guys very much, and we will see you all next week. May the elemental spirits guide you through the elemental chaos. I would like to give a big shout-out and thank you to seven new patrons who just joined our Patreon account. Most of them you have heard before, one of them you have not. So we will go ahead and start with the current crew. I would like to give a big thank you to Virgil, Luke, TJ, David, and Micah for all joining the Patreon. And uh, the sixth one would be myself from this current crew. The last one that I would like to give a shout-out to is a person who has not been on the podcast before but hopes to be. He is a creator of content. He chose the $10 pledge of Quest Giver, meaning that he can review 
material that he has created himself. I would like to give a big thank you to Brayden. He is a silver seller on the DMS Guild and created the Industrial Class. If you have not checked it out yet, please do. It is very interesting, and I do hope to run it one of these days when I'm not behind the DM screen. So thank you very much for your pledges. We would also like to announce a new segment that's going to be starting up very soon. We are starting a new segment called A Long Rest. This is where we will gather as an adventuring party to discuss old war stories of other campaigns and campaigns that we wish we could run, new classes that we are looking forward to, and our thoughts about Dungeons & Dragons in general. This new section will be exclusive on our Patreon account, so if you would like to listen to that, please subscribe to our Patreon and help support this podcast. Thank you for joining us once again for this episode of Homebrew Review. If you would like to find out more, you can find us on Facebook at Guild Adventure. You can visit our website at www.theadventuringguild.com, or you can find us on Patreon. For any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at dmbob at theadventuringguild.com, or hit us up on one of our many social media websites. And once again, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. Thank you.